0: You're listening to the Plain Talking UK Podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Walthorten. Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings, and with me in the studio, as always, is my awesome co-host, Simon Waltorton. Hello, Simon. Hello. How are you? (laughs)
1: I'm fine, thank you. Great start
0: to the show, though. It
1: is. You surprised me.
0: (laughs) So uh, we're back, obviously, for episode number three. Uh, We'd like to thank all of those who have listened to uh, episodes one and two of the podcast. Uh, Thanks for downloading and uh, catching us on iTunes. Hopefully you've been downloading through iTunes.
1: Yeah, and a special thank you to uh, your friend... uh...
0: Captain Jeff. Are you talking about Captain Jeff? Yes, yep. Yep, from the... uh, Captain Jeff's airline pilot guy uh, podcast. Uh, he's he's been a great help, and also a big thank you as well to uh, Max Flight as well from the Airplane Geeks podcast. He's also uh, he's uh, sent us a message as well this week to uh, congratulate us on the first uh, first two podcasts.
1: Yes, and I can't believe the amount of uh, downloads we're actually getting. I, I didn't think we'd have uh, yeah. that many already.
0: <laughs> we've had a, we've had a few downloads. We've done quite well. We've had yes, a few yeah. downloads. We've um, we've been quite uh, quite impressed with the uh, amount of downloads that we've got through uh, through iTunes. So thanks a lot for that, people. And don't forget as well, when you're on iTunes, uh, you can rate the show as well. You've got the little stars, and you can uh, give us a rate, and give us some feedback, let us know uh, what you think of the show, and. Uh, and, uh, yeah, make, make me and Simon smile uh, yes. here in the uh, kitchen studio. <laughs> yes, definitely, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah, I wonder how many people produce an uh, aviation podcast from their kitchen, Simon. Yeah, not that many. Not, not that, that many, no. Not that no. many. So you're speaking to us then. It's uh, the 14th of November. Uh, it's a Thursday uh, afternoon. It's, well, it's dark outside. Man. It is, And yes. it's cold. It's turning yeah. cold. It's turning yeah. very cold. Now, we've had some frosts already.
1: Yeah. I can't believe... Um, there is still a lot of uh, aircraft aviation uh, to talk about, um, even though it's uh, dark outside, so uh, we will press on.
0: and uh... Yeah, the news feeds are fairly full this week. There's been a, uh, quite a few bits and pieces happening in the world of uh, civilian aviation. And also Simon's got some bits and pieces to talk to uh, with the military aviation side of things. He's got some very interesting stuff about a new... Uh, New spy plane? What you call it a spy plane? Um, the hypersonic one. That's uh, going to be
1: replacing the old uh, SR 71A. So um, I'm looking yeah, we've forward got to talking.
0: That coming up later in this show. That's something <laughs> for you to look forward to for all you uh, for all you military. Uh, and also uh,
1: the uh, River aircraft, which is the old uh, 707. Um, and re- it's going to be, uh, be one of the new RAF aircraft that's replacing uh, the uh, Nimrod, which has retired um, uh, recently. So That should be uh,
0: good. That's all coming up in the show and we're going to kick off the first part of the show then, as always, with the news. So if you're ready, Simon.
1: Yes, I'm ready as always. Let's
0: go for it. so that's the jingle for our news so we're going to crack on with the news so kicking off then this week uh, easyjet uh, have developed a special piece of equipment to detect ash clouds Um, they've created their very own fake ash cloud and thrown or flown i should say uh, flown an aircraft through uh, their fake ash cloud with this new piece of equipment on board um, which is supposed to detect uh, ash clouds. This is obviously in response to the eruption of 2010, uh, where we had the volcanic uh, eruption in Iceland that caused a huge amount of severe disruption to uh, to the UK and uh, European passenger flights. Do you remember? Do you remember that one, Simon? Yes,
1: I do. And uh, that was a bit further afield as well, didn't it? Because it affected flights um, near enough coming into the sort of European airspace.
0: Yes, yeah, that was that was I mean that's a nearly a complete shutdown really of uh of, yes. of all flights really.
1: Yeah. And it's so um such a uh volatile and dangerous um thing that um obviously it gets into the engines and it just turns to like uh, it's damp in the atmosphere, but when it gets into the engines or onto the aircraft it can uh, near enough be like a sort of uh, concrete.
0: Yeah, dam- damage to the uh fan blades and yes. the turbine yeah. and stuff, yeah, of this um if you remember, many many years ago, that British Airways seven four seven that had that that very problem when it flew through uh, that volcanic eruption, uh, that was um, I think that was an old 747-200 series yes. BA, yep. and all four engines uh, shut down in flight, um, which uh, was quite hair raising for the crew especially on board, uh, but they managed to restart uh, all the engines I think um, within so many thousand feet. From, from plummeting to yes
1: now I've uh, actually seen that on uh, aircraft inve- investigation uh, on Sky um, I think it was last year or sometime around the uh, volcanic ash uh, eruption so yeah I have uh, seen
0: about that actual uh, story that you're talking about so we'll keep our, our eyes open for some more news on uh, what particular device that'll be whether it'll be some sort of uh, radar device installed in the nose cone of the aircraft a bit like the weather radar that's fitted on most passenger aircraft now but we'll uh, We'll keep our eyes open to see if we can find some more information on that one So moving on then, uh, Heathrow Airway oh, Heathrow Airways. God, this is going to be a great episode, isn't it? Uh, Heathrow uh, Chief of Operations have said that uh, this year's supposed bad winter we are due to have this year could cause uh, some quite bad cancellations at Heathrow <coughs> Airport. Um, Heathrow is currently running at full capacity and the cancellations... Um, if they had to make some due to the weather, would be the most effective way of dealing with the problem of having uh, the bad weather. Um, And also Gatwick Airport uh, has been uh, sort of chosen as somewhere for the aircraft to fly to should anything happen at Heathrow to shut the airport down, which I I find bizarre because Gatwick's not all that far from Heathrow. No, no.
1: And uh, if it is to do with the uh, snow or bad weather... Um, a lot of these um, airports where they have cold weather constantly or a lot more than they, they do... They the, tend
0: to deal with it a lot better than we do.
1: They do. And yeah. I think they're going to have to look... They need to look or poss- possibly go to the people who organise everything in all uh, uh, winter weather uh, uh, vehicles... They need to go to an airport where they do have um, a lot of cold weather and a lot of snow, and see how they get on because their airports never shut. They keep going no matter what, and they've got all the machines de-icing the runways and and uh, snow moving uh, machinery, and they just take it as another normal day of weather, you know. And yeah, I just can't. It's to
0: come to a grinding halt. Yeah, after uh,
1: yeah. And that's and that's the same on our roads as well. Yeah. Um But. I've been to uh, airports in America where I go skiing at uh, Mammoth Lakes, and that's high altitude. That's uh, about 8,000 feet, obviously. And that obviously does close sometimes, depending on crosswinds and whatever. It's a small airport, but <clears throat> they keep the uh, airport open as much as they can with the snow clearing and everything. So I just think they need to look in more depth because we do get a lot more snow in the last few years at least yeah, we've, we've had a few bad winters yes, and uh, frost as well uh, last year was quite a bad one wasn't it
0: yeah so we'll uh, we'll see what happens this winter whether yes. we do get this huge uh huge snowstorm that they're predicting so next story then uh we've got one here if you guys listening remember uh the ethiopian uh dreamliner the 787 dreamliner that had the uh fire incident um a few months back at, uh, at London Heathrow. Uh, we've got a story, uh, which I've seen online today, a picture online, actually, of the aircraft taken, um, which has been pulled out of the hangar at Heathrow. It's currently uh, had the, the tail section remo- removed, uh, or part of the, the the rear rudder and the tail section has actually been taken <coughs> off the aircraft. And apparently uh, Boeing are, uh, and um, some other repair companies are in the process of uh, actually patching the aircraft up there was some speculation uh, a while back saying that they're possibly going to make a whole uh, new section of aircraft to repair the uh, that uh, particular 787 but the story i'm reading here has said that uh, they are going to fashion a patch um, to uh, extensively rebuild the actual part of the aircraft that's uh, that's damaged um so which means it won't require a fuselage barrel replacement which is what they were originally thinking it would uh, would do but that that happened in july on july the 12th that did uh, so that's quite a few months ago and uh, as all indications from the uh, news story say the fire the original fire was actually caused by a battery in an emergency located beacon uh installed on the top lobe of the fuselage um that caught fire so that's that's worrying because a, a lot of a, a lot, all the passenger aircraft now uh, use those um, yes. bit, yeah, yeah, uh, it,
1: This uh, problem, it's an ongoing problem. I don't think it's uh, going away uh, very quickly. And it seems as though it's um, still uh, getting problems. I've got here a uh, Japan Airlines streamliner flight from Helsinki to Tokyo had battery problems. This was only the other day. So um, it had a indicator on the uh, cockpit. Um, saying there was trouble, uh, but it didn't overheat or emit any smoke. So I'm thinking that there is still an ongoing problem, as I said, with this uh, uh, Dreamliner 787, because this has been going on for quite a while now. And I'm I'm thinking they need to really have a good look in at this in a big way. But Which it's, I-
0: it's not affecting all the 787s because <laughs> there are still quite a few of the airlines who are using the 787 who haven't had any problems at all. With their aircraft, yes. Are they um, a newer batch, or are they? Um, some of them are quite, uh, one of the original ones that were delivered to the aircraft. I mean, um, a lot of had a uh, lot. Polish airlines have had trouble with their their Dreamliner. Yeah. Um, BA are obviously new to their Dreamliner, so uh, they've um, they're sort of they're fresh off the off the production line. Yeah. But uh, so we can also read on here. I'm reading in front of me that. Um, The the actual aircraft itself is, uh, if any (coughs) of you Google and see the picture, you can see that the aircraft itself has got like a huge gazebo type um, tent over the whole back section of the aircraft. So the aircraft is in the process of being repaired, but uh, Boeing uh, nor Ethiopian Airways have uh, said at, uh, at all when the aircraft will return back into service. So that's looking like that'll probably be next year. I would say it'll be probably a year from when uh, the, the actual fire happened. Yes, yeah. It's uh, quite worrying. Yes. So next up then, we've got another news story from um, Ireland. Um, this one is uh, regarding a, a wealthy Irish businessman who was caught trying to board a plane with live ammunition hidden in his luggage. He's uh, subsequently been jailed for six years for that. uh, trying to board a plane with live ammunition. That's that's, that's a huge (coughs) no-no here. It is. (laughs) I think it's a huge no-no no No matter where you are. You
1: have to declare any... It does say when you board an aircraft, or before you board an aircraft, what is allowed and what isn't. An explosive, I class that as an explosive and a dangerous uh, thing to carry on an aircraft. They can be carried if you have a certificate or they are put in the hold and they're in a proper box. Um, Because obviously they have to be carried in certain ways on certain aircraft. But that is one of the consequences that you get if you carry live ammunition. That is a definite no-no. Six years, that's uh,
0: that's quite a big jail sentence. Yes,
1: but I think um, that does fit the the crime because that's just a warning to others not to do it.
0: So according to this as well, the, uh, the construction boss uh, was passing through security at Liverpool Airport on route to Dublin uh, when they found the 13 rounds and two spent bullets, and they were discovered in a bag stashed in a trainer in his hand luggage. So <laughs> that's kind of suspicious straight away. That yes. Would, uh, ring many alarm bells <laughs> on yes. the was a yes. security guard. Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, So, moving on then, another story we've got uh, is regarding um, fast-track security access at Birmingham and Gatwick airports. Um, Departing passengers who book their uh, spa treatments at the airport or chauffeur-driven airport transfers through the number one traveller site will now be able to jump (laughs) the uh, security queues at no extra cost. Previously, only passengers who booked the lounge access with the pre-flight hospitality provider could take advantage of this fast track service now that's something that uh, me and my wife tried this year when we flew to uh, malta with ryanair and we paid uh and i think it was probably about uh, 30 odd 38 pounds i think it was for the two of us uh, for the number one lounge access at stansted and i have to be honest it was it was worth it very very much worth it because we had an early morning flight there was huge queues of security and with this uh, fee that you pay you can fast track um, past the the queues of of uh, people queuing up to put their bags through the x-ray yes. machines and stuff and you're ushered through in, into a separate um scanning machine yes. and the uh, the doorway where you walk through, the security doorway. Yes.
1: I've done that at Heathrow a couple of times and gone to the airport lounges as well. Uh, so that is um, quite good to use, um, yeah. well worth it.
0: That was good. <coughs> we fast tracked through, obviously through the security, went through to the lounge and um, had lots of complimentary uh, bacon rolls and cups of coffee and yeah. uh, cereal, so well worth it there. So that's something to uh, to think of when you're flying through uh, Gatwick and that uh, is uh, when you're when you're booking your flights online. Just nip to the number one lounge website and um, yeah, treat yourself before you fly on holiday. Uh, you won't regret it. Next up, then, with some Ryanair news. We can't go a week without some Ryanair. <laughs> you news. love it, don't you? You yeah, just love, love the old love Ryanair, the Ryanair <laughs> <air> news. <laughs> So it's, uh, it's nothing too serious this week, no, um, no exciting things. It's just uh, 91% of Ryanair flights arrived on time in October. So that means that 91% of all passengers heard that lovely jingle when they landed um, on time in the cabin. <laughs> um, so Ryanair, uh, Europe's favourite low-cost uh, airline, released its, uh, its October customer service statistics which confirmed that Ryanair is Europe's number one customer service airline. It says here that 91% of 51,000 flights arrived on time, less than one complaint per 1,000 passengers, and less than one bad complaint per 2,000 passengers, and 99% of complaints were answered within seven days. And that's uh, from Ryanair's Robin Keeley, who uh, who's, who gave those figures out. So if anyone who's listening to the podcast has got a different, uh, different perspective on uh, their customer service they've received from Ryanair, do drop us a line, email us. We'll give the email address at the end of the show, or uh, drop us a line via Facebook. And also, during October... Um, as we said, 91% of the 51,000 flights arrived on time, and they are trying to improve even more um, to try and make Ryanair the airline to fly with in the UK. And they're targeting up to, to carry on, uh, up to 81 million passengers this year, which is quite a lot of passengers 81 million passengers. Yes, that is a lot, yeah. So, we've got some other more news and moving on uh, to news closer at home, this one. This is um, news at our local airport, which is Norwich Airport. Um, We've got some job losses that may be threatening the airline Flybe at uh, Norwich. Um, The airline Flybe says that 500 jobs could possibly go as it aims to cut out what they're calling unprofitable routes and their concerns, or they could concerned, it will affect Norwich Airport. The carrier's new chief executive, Saad Hamad, will also review unprofitable routes and bases to improve aircraft and crew utilisation. The measures are expected to save the airline £26 million a year from next year, <coughs> on top of previous initiatives to save £40 million this year and £45 million in 2014-15. So that's that's quite, quite uh, worrying news, really, for, yes. um, for if anything does happen at Norwich, because that uh, they do struggle to 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 call themselves as we've said before, really, an international <coughs> airport. Yes, yeah.
1: But I think um, to keep any airlines keep going, you really need to look at each uh, route that you fly and make sure that um, all. Uh, the routes are still viable and making money, and if they're not making money, they're going to cut them routes straight away and uh, just keep the uh, with the prof- profitable uh, routes to keep the business uh, afloat. So I think
0: part of the part of the, um, the the reason for the flyby sort of uh, having the issues and stuff with Norwich as well is are going to be the uh, departure tax, which doubled to ten pound in January two thousand. Yes, they can't
1: they can't keep putting that up because that started off. Uh, um, Nothing there was no uh, departure tax then I think it was about 250 then it went to a five Um, then I think I believe either 750 or straight to 10 pounds but that if you've got a family it is just a silly amount of money uh, to add on to any uh, holiday so I don't agree with it and I don't think it is
0: needed so Um, currently Flybe flies to 27 destinations from Norwich me personally I haven't flown Flybe yes um, from Norwich Uh, have you Uh, yes
1: I've uh, flown uh, Flybe up to uh, glasgow a, a few times and um as long as you book in advance i think the name of the game is uh, you will get a cheap flight but if you leave it till a week or two two or three weeks before you go then you're going to be paying silly money um so uh, that is um worth uh, considering uh, when you are booking a flight to do
0: so next bit of news then we've got uh, some news about lufthansa uh lufthansa are currently, uh, anticipating a huge order that's going to be spread between Airbus and Boeing of $19 billion. The airline, which is moving to replace its ageing fleet of A340s and 747-400s, will acquire 59 new aircraft, including 24 Airbus A350-900XWBs, um, also it's going to be the launch customer as well for the 777-9X, which is the uh, A350-XWB's competitor. That's the new uh, 777, a slightly longer, yes, um, carries, carries more, extra quick, range. more extra range as well. So that's, uh, that's some good news there for Airbus and Boeing. So some other news as well, Air Malta, uh, my uh, one of my favourite destinations and, and uh, a great airline. Air Malta are going to be starting to use uh, EFBs, electronic flight bags. For those of you who are not sure what EFBs are, electronic flight bags. Basically, uh, as, uh, as most of you will know, pilots tend to carry quite a large amount of charts and maps and airport information stored on paper in uh, big folders, books, which they carry in flight cases on board, uh, on board the aircraft. Uh, A lot of uh, airlines, especially the uh, American airlines and the British airlines as well, are now starting to use these electronic flight bags, which are uh, actually iPads, uh, which are obviously a lot lighter than carrying um, pages and pages of paper charts around. Yes. Um, and they uh, being issued to uh, the uh, captain and uh, first officer as well.
1: Now does that mean in the cockpit, this may sound daft or silly, uh, does the uh, cockpit have a USB socket for <laughs> <laughs> these?
0: That, that's something that I, I actually I did research that one on, uh, online. They, uh, all the aircraft who are, um, who are having these EFBs given to the, the pilots have actually got a power supply uh, installed in, in on the flight deck itself yes. um, for each pilot, so they can plug them in and, and charge them up. That was always a, a worry of mine as well, because as we both know, for people with um, uh, smartphones won't, won't mention any particular makes, um, but uh, they, the batteries do tend to, to run down quite quickly yes. on, on those. Yes. Yeah. So that's, um, that's some air malta news there then so that'll be good then nice and that'll make the aircraft a lot lighter anyway less yes. paper so Finnair uh, have become the first operator of the Sharkler equipped Airbus A321 that made its maiden uh, flight on September the 6th this year and it's the first of five on order um of the type to have the uh, the sharklets fitted they're replacing the uh, the ageing Boeing 757s with the uh, the A321 and uh, I must say it's quite interesting what they're seeing a the picture of an Airbus with these sharklet fins because you normally expect to see them on a, on a Boeing yes yeah that sort of um, that sort of fin so uh, never flown a fin air Simon? No uh, no, no. No, can't, I can't say I've flown with thin air. I, I did look at going uh, that further afield, um, um, sort of towards the colder climbs this year, but uh, we decided to stay at home and have a week here instead on holiday. Yes. So, some more news following on from last episode's news. We were talking about London City Airport, weren't we? Yes, we were. Yes, so we've got uh, a few bits of information we've been researching um, online for you. Uh, But first, a news story about London City Airport, which is uh, hoping to double its uh, capacity to 6 million passengers a year if plans for a £2 million expansion are approved. Uh, The predominantly business facility, which uh, lies seven miles east of the City of London, adjacent to Canary Wharf, has sought planning permission from the London Borough of Newham to add a new parallel taxiway um, additional uh, to allow additional larger aircraft parking stands to be built and an extension to the terminal building as well. So that will, in, uh, that will increase the uh, number of passenger movements. It handles from uh, 70,000 passengers a year to 120,000 passengers a year.
1: Yes, now I'm just wondering, have they got enough uh, room to put another runway? Because like we said, we've only got one runway, haven't we?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's surrounded, we're looking at the picture here, and it's, it's surrounded by water. We've
1: uh, got the Thames there, haven't you? and then you've got like a long uh, pond or whatever on the side. So looking at that, I don't really think there is uh, room for another r- runway
0: on there. No, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yes, yeah. So another Lufthansa story going back to Lufthansa cargo this time. Um, they are currently uh, have two of their MD-11 freighters up for sale. Um, they are being replaced by the Boeing Triple Seven freighter in, in November this year, roundabout now. So they've got two of their MD-11s for sale.
1: Yes, so I know um, recently, I think it was uh, just a few weeks ago that um, uh, Scandinavian Airways just uh, retired all their all their last um, MD-80. Uh, from service, so uh yeah that's uh, another thing that that's uh, just happened
0: i think i'll wait till uh, some tri stars come up for sale <laughs> you, you know my love love for the tristar there could be a tristar in east Anglia somewhere yeah. in a museum i I have threatened the wife a few times to uh to to go out and purchase a um purchase a tri star but we i don 't think we don't think we've got the room quite here at uh, at the uh Cottage for that. Well, we could, uh, if
1: we got planning permission, you could uh, put a plane and have it on the roof. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although I actually did uh, t- talking about the TriStar, I did a while back. I've actually purchased a um, an operator's manual, an original operator's manual uh, yes. for the Lockheed TriStar, which, yeah. which I've got. Uh, here. Yeah,
1: and now I know uh, Haynes uh, do a lot of aircraft manuals, and they do Spitfire and one or two others. But um, it's uh, quite uh, shocking that you can actually buy the uh, manuals
0: yeah this this is an actual official one this is a, a, a British Airways one that I've got Be, being a lover of, of the tri star I, I try and get um, anything uh, tristar based um, to memorabilia to, to fill the house up to try try and compete with the wife's clutter and stuff in the house. <laughs> Do you have that? Do you have that problem at home at all, Simon? What but, clutter? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that is There's, a big problem
1: in our household. Um, is it, is having it three young, uh, um, <laughs> I wish it was. I do have quite a lot of uh, aviation clutter, magazines and models, which are still boxed and uh, in my drawer. I'd like to put up, but uh, having three young girls and um, a wife, uh, that does sort of uh, have a lot of problems. I do have a lot of clutter in the house, so
0: uh, mainly toys. Yeah. Right, so last bit of news then. We're going to do... Uh, oh, actually, we've got some more. Actually, forgetting the last bit of news, we uh, nearly forgot to discuss another bit about the London City Airport, which we... If you remember, in episode two, we were discussing the uh, New York flight that uh, comes out of, of uh, London City Airport to New York, and we were discussing what type of aircraft uh, flew from there and uh, quite how they'd have the range to fly a small aircraft um, to, to New York. But we have uh, looked on the realms of um, the interweb and uh, found that the aircraft that actually uh, flies to uh, New York from London, City Airport, is the Airbus A318. Um, now this aircraft, the, A- the A318, uh, it stops It, it stops at <coughs> Shannon does it? Yes, uh, uh,
1: Shannon Airport, uh, when I uh, looked it up, uh, stops at Shannon Airport. No. Between uh, London City Airport and Shannon, it's not a, a great distance to travel before refueling an aircraft, really, is not it? Not
0: really. I mean, it it can't be. I mean, uh, Stanford to Dublin is, is is what sort of sort of forty five, fifty minutes, something like that. Isn't it? I think. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it can't be much more than just over an hour. But looking on the uh, stats, because I, I could just couldn't get my head round how the aircraft would be able to f- even fly from Shannon to um, to New York. But looking on um, on the charts, the uh, distance from Shannon to New York is three thousand and seventy-eight nautical miles. Uh, the range of the aircraft not being much more than that. So whether they've made a, a, a change to the aircraft, uh, do or you reckon they've uh,
1: uh, or... got extra um, fuel capacity on that? Because this it, it, is it's yeah. quite it's quite. Um, a limited amount of fuel, but if it's got that distance to travel, and like we were talking about earlier before we came on air, um, that distance is not that fu- uh, much left in the tank if it's got the fly from Shannon to uh, New York. And then if it's diverted or does have a problem, we are talking near enough no fuel at all left.
0: <laughs> that did, uh, did surprise me. They must have some sort of fuel contingency in, <clears throat> in place for that, or, or it carries a, a higher fuel We'll have to uh, delve more deeper uh, yes, into that. But professor. if anyone else has got any more information on that, who, who already knows, any pilots out there listening to the show, then do drop us a line uh, on our um, email or through Facebook. Details will be at the end of the show. Last bit, very last bit of news then. We've got um, some quite serious news actually. found this one just before we started the show today. This was at, uh, this happened at Gatwick Airport um, On Monday night, a Monarch Airlines flight uh, uh, 9085 from Krakow had just begun its descent towards the runway at uh, at London Gatwick when the air traffic control told the flight crew to pull up and complete a circuit in the air before coming to land. This was due to uh, um, air crawl traffic on the runway uh, that, that it was due to land on. So that aircraft ended up uh, having to do a circuit and then uh, come back in to land. So <coughs> quite quite worrying, I think, if you were the passenger on that aircraft yes, and you, uh, you know you're about to land, but then all of a sudden, you are on a go the around, the engine <laughs> up and uh, and you you go around.
1: Yes. Have you uh, ever been on a flight with a go around?
0: I haven't. No. I no? must say, in all the uh, years I've I've been I've been flying, I've never never had that happen at all. I've, I've uh, had
1: uh, I've been on two or three go arounds. Um, I suppose uh, if people don't actually know that's going to happen, uh, it can be a bit nerve-wracking, but sometimes that does happen, it is quite rare, and it happens for a number of reasons. There may be um, uh, another aircraft that hasn't actually left the runway uh, the, um, before the uh, aircraft is ready to land, or uh, they will say there's a go- uh, tell them to go around uh, due to a problem of something else, which could be uh, debris on the runway, or, or anything really. So they uh, they are used, and they when they are used, obviously they're not that frequent. But you know, it's just one of them it things. It does happen. Yeah. Yes. Now going back to uh, that story about we were talking about the A318. Yeah. I'm just on a page here. Just looking at this, British Airways, according to uh, this, um, only has two 318s um, still in service, active service, um, and I'm sort of quite shocked. Because the A318 is an old aircraft, um, how many that are actually uh, still uh, in active service? Looking at this, there is quite a lot. And um, as I scroll down, um, Air France have got quite a few, Avianca Airlines, uh, which is based in Brazil, they've got a few, uh, there's a few cargo. And uh, going to this, British Airways here, the A318112, and there's two in active service, and they were uh, brought in to service not that long ago. Twenty eighth of the eighth, two thousand and nine, and thirtieth of the ninth, two thousand and nine. So, um,
0: well, the it, first the first flight of the A3 A three eighteen was in two thousand and two. Really? Yeah, two thousand and two. And they're built <coughs> um, as of June um, two thousand and thirteen. Seventy nine have been uh, built. And if you if you wondered how much a A318 would cost you, um, I haven't got the figure in pounds, but uh, in US dollars, uh, the aircraft would set you back a cool 70.1 million dollars. Wow! Which in euros works out 53 million euros. Yeah, which is not far if you convert into pounds sterling. No, they're enough about
1: the same at yeah. the do- moment. Um, the euro and the pound, aren't
0: they? that's a lot of uh, a lot of money <laughs> that's, that's quite is. expensive but then uh, but then there's a lot lot to the aircraft I'm we to have to we have to look up the prices of all the aircraft yes. because it would be interesting to see how much an A380
1: would cost yes, yes. Uh, um, and also you've got a top 10 uh, yes, air-
0: yes aircraft
1: um, which I'm uh, quite looking forward to because uh, I'm excited not knowing what aircraft are going to be in there although there is one that I do know that's going to be in that top 10
0: that's it we do <laughs> so uh we're going to finish the news out and come back after this. Okay, so with our top 10 aircraft then. This is top 10 uh, passenger aircraft. As chosen by me, Simon's going to uh, bring you his top 10 military aircraft in, uh, in the next episode. So Keep your eyes peeled for that one. So, top ten passenger aircraft. We're going to start from number ten. These are chosen by me through uh, through personal experience. These are aircraft that um, that hold a sort of something dear in my in my mind, in my uh, in my memories of flying. So, first one at number ten. Then we've got the Tupolev Tu one three four A. Yes. This one, uh, ex Cold War converted bomber. Um, I flew one of these. Um, quite a few it's 1986 I think I flew on one of these it was uh, on a flight this is when I was very young to Dubrovnik in yes. Yugos- what was Yugoslavia um, always remember flying on the aircraft um, it was uh, a noisy aircraft uh, very smoky um, and had very basic interior I always remember the um, interior sort of had a funny sort of wall- flowery wallpaper which was kind of bizarre and uh, it was with aviogenics, or aviogenics at the time. And, um, yeah, great memories of that aircraft. That was back in the days when the um, flight attendant used to bring around a basket of bread rolls to have with uh, have your meal. So yes. that's going back a few years.
1: Yes. Now, what is, um, uh, interrupting your top ten, what is the uh, aircraft? Oh, now, I should know this. Uh, and I know the, uh, it's a Russian aircraft. And they often come over UK airspace, and I've seen it on TV. I, I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but um, it's the one with the four prop um, props on, and each prop on each engine has, what do you call it, uh, where the prop is going one way. Oh, the
0: counter-rotating Yes, that's it, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, now
0: that's that's an Antonov aircraft. You'll have to look that one up on yes. Google. That's an Antonov. And that's um, really a, The Russian
1: aircraft are quite old, um, but there are some strange ones
0: which... Um, they still have flying, so yeah. I will say one thing though: um, they're they're built to last. I think the uh, the Russian aircraft, <laughs> yes, although definitely. they can be um, can be some uh, mishaps that uh, have happened over the last few years with them. So that's number ten: the Tupeloft tu one three four A. So number nine in my list then is the um, <clears throat> the Airbus A three eighty. This for me, I haven't flown on the aircraft, but uh, at Farmbr 2012. Last year, I um, I actually went on board the uh, the test aircraft they had at the show, um, which had a small mock up cabin, um, but most of the aircraft was filled with um, with measuring equipment and uh, big tanks of water, an absolutely awesome aircraft to be inside. Uh, I can't say it's one of the most prettiest aircraft. Um, that I've seen Simon I, I uh, yeah, there are more attractive aircraft yes,
1: yes I, uh, I quite like the uh, aircraft but I have yet to step on one so uh, I'm uh, looking forward to that um, yes. immensely So,
0: moving on then number 8 in my list is the 787 Dreamliner another aircraft which I haven't personally been on yet um, but I think it had to come into my top 10 just purely because I think the aircraft is, is stunning to look at um, I think it's it's a it's a well designed to look at aircraft, um, and we also had some feedback from Max Flight. Uh, he uh, he sent me an email. Uh, do you remember we were talking about the uh, the engines that had the uh, the change ca- cowling cowlings on yes, the back? Yes. Yeah. Apparently, according to Max, that's set uh, to reduce noise when they're on the ground. Well, that's uh, that's that must be a, a sort of positive
1: uh, note for the uh, Dreamliner. Definitely a positive note. Yes, there is uh, many uh, positive things uh, I can think of uh, on the Dreamliner at the moment. Um, And I'm sure um, as a safety point of view, they will get these uh, problems all sorted out uh, when we were talking about earlier. But um, I still think there is one or two problems with that aircraft. So um, let's uh, have our fingers crossed and let's just hope uh, that things
0: uh, improve and uh, make the aircraft 100% again. So number seven on the list on the top 10 of my faves is the de uh, Havilland-6400 seaplane. This, for me, I know it's a small passenger aircraft, um, but it's still a passenger aircraft. Uh, The de Havilland-6, I flew on one of these um, on honeymoon a few years ago when I got married um, in the Maldives um, with trans Moldavian Airways. And it was my first time on a a float plane um, from uh, Mali, uh, where we took off to uh, to the island where we stayed on honeymoon, I have to say, if if you're going to have an experience of flying, um, it's it's got to be one of those ones you've got to try uh, a, a seaplane because it is such an <coughs> awesome feeling um, to take off from the water and to land on the water. Yes, and always one something that will stick in my mind um, <laughs> forever is the uh, the, uh, the 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 actual the uh, pilot Uh, or the pilots of the aircraft, um, were flying the aircraft in bare feet. Really? Yeah, bare feet. There was no doors separating the uh, cabin from the uh, cockpit. It was uh, all open, just a little uh, piece of uh, curtain, and uh, the flight (coughs) flight crew were there with their bare feet, um, just flying the aircraft. But I have to say it was a very, very smooth flight. Um, Slightly noisy. We all had to wear earplugs, but, but no, a really good, a lovely aircraft to fly. So, it's moving on then. Number six on the list, we're going to go with the Airbus A320. Uh, This one I've flown on quite a few times with uh, EasyJet. I think it's just an awesome workhorse. Yes, yeah. Um, It's very popular with a lot of airlines. A lot of airlines use a 320. Um, And I just think it's one of those aircraft that um, it was sort of first of its sort of kind to be the fly-by-wire type aircraft. Um, of Airbus it was their one of their first aircraft and I think it's done really well for Airbus I think it's, it's made them a lot of money
1: yes and uh, I would imagine that's on par if not um, better um, than the uh, Boeing 737 would you say that no because I like Boeing better <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's answer that. Well, let's cut that question there to an, a grinding halt. Yeah, I, I have
0: to say I, I do. I, I prefer. I, I don't know. I, I always had preferred Boeing, but no, I have to say that is that's number six on the list. The A320. Um, I, I like I said. It's, I think it's one of those aircraft that um, it's like like a, an, an old car. You can put as many miles on the clock as you like, and it will still keep going. It's one of those. I think. Yes. Number five then. It's going to be the Boeing 737-200. Uh, we're going back a few years now. Flown many times on these. They were the um, the original steam gauge 737s that uh, that had the uh, Pratt and Whitney JT8D um, engines on the little narrow engines on one on each wing.
1: Yes. Now uh, the. One thing that we were talking about and uh, we watched uh, the other week was uh, about the Janet Airlines. And that was uh, one, when they used to use the uh, Boeing seven three seven is... Uh,
0: yes, uh, on the flights to... Groom um, Lake. Groom Lake, yes.
1: And yes. that's from uh, McCarran Airport in Las Vegas. So, um, But we will uh, talk about that uh, later date a bit more. Because um, there's quite a lot of uh, information to go and look into on uh, that sort of uh, secret... Uh,
0: Base. So the 737-200, an awesome aircraft. Like I said, I've flown on that many times with pretty, quite a few different airlines. Uh, one, Air Malta, obviously, quite yes. a few years ago, and also one of the airlines that I flew on um, that p- particular type of aircraft as well was a now defunct airline, Dan Air. Yes, if
1: you can remember, yeah, Dan or, Air or Dan Scare, as some people Dan call. Scare, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as some people used to call it uh, when I was at school. Uh,
0: I don't know why, but yeah, that would be a good airline, a really good airline of its time. Yes. So, number four then on my list is the BAC 111, British Air Corporation 111. Yes. Um, That for me as well was uh, one of the aircraft I flew on to to Ubis Library as well again. Um, And that was, um, oh, I can't remember the airline that was now. That was British Island Airways, that's it, yes, BIA, yeah. British Island yeah. Airways, yeah. quite a I few think years ago. they
1: were possibly a little bit to do with British Airways, but we'll have to uh, perhaps look into that. And uh, if you do wish to go and have a look, and you don't know what they look like, uh, there is one at Duxford, and I, uh, Shu Carlos, uh, I took a photo and printed it off for him, because it's... Um, in primer
0: paint at the that's moment. It. Have you have you put that? You put that on the uh, plane talking UK yes,
1: the, that, Facebook yeah, site? yes. Yeah. That's on our uh, Facebook site um, because that used to be or still is. Um, they uh, British Airways uh, quite a few years back named all their aircraft after UK cities, and that was the city of uh, Dorset. Dorset. That's it. Yeah. Um, and that was in the uh, British Airways when the tail used to be. I think uh, was blue, mainly blue with the is uh, it the Queen's crown? Uh, yeah, that's it. Actually, uh, on top of the uh, tail, you to have the Royal Mail logo as well. On yes, the, uh, yes, the Royal yes. Mail, um, right? I remember that. That was on the uh, uh, that BAC 111. And hopefully, yeah. once this uh, had the prime, once they've got that sorted out, it does go back to its original uh, uh, paint, which I'm sure it will do. Um, it will uh, look uh, really nice. But it, as I said, uh, you can actually go uh, and uh, on board that aircraft and have a visit uh, if you're. Uh, anytime at the, the Duxford Aviation Museum. So
0: Awesome. So number three then on the list, uh, the Boeing 777-300ER. Uh, this one for me was another favourite of mine. Uh, I flew on that one to Mali uh, in the Maldives uh, with Emirates. And um, an awesome aircraft to look at. It is truly, the engines are, uh, are just humongous on that aircraft. And the actual aircraft itself inside I think is just so spacious and yes. roomy the triple seven. Yes. It's on par with the seven six, a little bit bigger. It's obviously yes. the um seven is replacement, the triple seven.
1: Yeah, I think the uh seven five, seven six and the triple seven, uh, they are sort of uh, I think there's one little family those three aircraft. Do you uh,
0: think that? Yeah, the seven six and the triple seven very, very similar in sort of size and shape. The seven five is very slo- slightly Sort of thinner, yes, uh, uh, more pencil sort of shape. But yes. All all sort of from the same thoroughbred of, uh, of aircraft from Boeing. But uh, that had an awesome flight with that aircraft. Very yes. smooth flight we had with yes. of that aircraft. And like I said, um, very very um, nice, pleasing to the eye aircraft to look at.
1: Yes. Now, I've had um, quite a few flights with them on uh, United Airlines. When I uh, go to the uh, States uh, skiing, uh, obviously take off from London Heathrow into LAX or... Uh, San Francisco, and it's a lovely, as you say, it's a lovely aircraft uh, to fly. The first time I went on it, I think, God, this aircraft, is this big enough to go um, to the US? But it's not until you get near it and ready to board, and then you look out the window and see those massive engines, as you were saying, uh, yeah. how um, how good it is. It's is a quiet aircraft. It is, it's been in service a little while now, hasn't it? Um, uh, I just think... Um, that is one of uh, my favourite aircraft, and I uh, do enjoy that. So. Uh,
0: yeah, the Boeing. That's, that's actually been in, uh, in in for the first flight was actually in 1994, uh, and it was introduced into service in 95 with the United Airlines.
1: Yes, and now uh, that was most probably the year that I actually uh, first flew on it. Um, the, it's open year, and the livery uh, that is on there on that picture now, which has uh, just got United on the top and on the tail with the blue underneath and the blue engines. That has now been uh, replaced with um, uh, Continental because uh, they're part of the Continental group. Yeah. They're still uh, United, but they've got the Continental Globe actually on the tail, uh, and uh, just uh, United. And I think it's white and goldy colour now with a blue strip.
0: And just a bit of information on the Triple Seven. <coughs> so, as of September this year, there has been one thousand one hundred and thirty-nine produced. Wow. That's, that's, that's a lot, isn't it? Yes, and
1: uh, I think there's only one that's um, actually uh, crashed, and that was the one at Heathrow, wasn't it? Um, well, they uh, stalled on uh, And it on was it? the Asiana one, wasn't it? The, oh, the was that, so there's, uh, yeah. two of those yeah. are gone now. Um, but that one at Heathrow, the British Airways one, that was a few years, just a few that years was back. was an icing, fuel icing problem. Uh, it? Was it?
0: Yeah, that was ice fuel in the, uh, in the, in the fueling. Fuel I think it
1: happened so quickly, yeah, it even took the uh, pilot and uh, everybody yeah, uh, by... Surprise! But luckily, uh, he was just uh, near enough to slam it um, onto the uh, runway and onto the grass. Just short the runway, yeah? Yes, yeah. So if
0: you want to purchase uh, uh, 777, sorry, 300ER, it'll set you back $315 million. So
1: are we going to put that with the uh, TriStar then? (laughs)
0: Well, well, we can't say anything else. We've got to do number two next. So number two (laughs) on the list is the 757-200. Uh, this one for me as well, another um, favourite, awesome aircraft. I think the 757 has been a uh, fantastic aircraft for a lot of airlines. I've flown on it quite a few times, Air 2000. Um, I've, I've flown on with those. Um, and like I said, it, it's, it's one of those aircraft that even when they've come to the end of their, their passenger life, um they are snapped up by the likes of DHL and turned and converted into cargo aircraft yes yes um, and they are quite heavily utilized by a lot of cargo airlines um after they've been converted and like I said they do continue their lives um in, you know it, quite quite sort of long a lot longer than a lot of other aircraft <coughs> yes
1: now if you uh, do uh, go onto the uh, flight radar uh, which uh Me and Carlos do quite a lot. Um, If you look on there, uh, at night time or late at night, uh, the uh, airways over the UK do suddenly sort of start dropping off because obviously Heathrow shuts down and a lot of the airports close for the night. Um, But uh, having said that, when that happens, we do get a lot of uh, cargo uh, sort of movements during the uh, night, uh, which a lot of uh, airlines try and uh, do, sort of, uh, so that doesn't interrupt with uh, all the passenger flying during the day. So... If you are on that website and uh, looking and you think, oh, well, I wonder what this one is, well, click on it and you should uh, be able to see there are quite a lot of uh, cargo uh, planes sort of travelling late in the evening, uh, sort of middle of the night time, uh, over the UK and over Europe, uh, sort of shifting cargo um, as well to uh, other parts of the uh, world.
0: That's it. They're also um, referred to as well uh, as the, as the Pocket Rocket, the 757. Mainly due to the fact they're powered by the uh, the Rolls Royce RB211 engines, which uh, for an aircraft of its size, um, uh, a lot of pilots say they're they're quite they're quite a they're quite a, um, a very overpowered aircraft. Yes, for no, that size.
1: I would. Uh, I'd totally agree with that because um, sometimes when they come into the Norwich Airport, or I've heard them take off uh, from other airports like Heathrow and Gatwick. They do seem as though the engines make a a long loud sort of purring whirring noise when they are taking off on full power as though it's, the engines are being overpowered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, the I mean that's the, the noise that the Rolls-Royce engines make is quite a distinctive noise. Yes. Um but they did uh, they did also fit the 75s uh, with Pratt and Whitney engines as well, the PW2040s. They fitted them with those type of engines as well, but a lot most majority of them were fitted with the, uh, the Rolls-Royce RB211s. And uh, just a bit of trivia for you as well on the 757. It first flew in, 19, in, February, in February in 1982. So that's quite a few years ago. Um, and it was produced uh, between 1981 and, and 2004. And there's been uh, 1,050 produced in total. And like we said, a lot of those are flying now with, uh, with sort of DHL and, and UPS and that. Um, and if you wanted to purchase a 757-200, uh, this is going back to 2002 when they, when they ceased production, it would set you back $65 million for wow. of those for a 757-200. So we're going to move on to number one in our <laughs> top ten list. Now, right? can I think? Let me think. i oh, sorry to interrupt you,
1: but I'm going to think. Now, what aircraft would I think oh that would be in my. your top? Oh, no. <laughs> would be number one. Now, Mac,
0: Max Flight, if you're listening, and uh, Captain Jeff, if you're listening, you're going to know exactly what aircraft I'm going to say now is my, my, my number one spot. And it is, of course, the Lockheed L-1011 TriStar. Now, this aircraft, I'm not going to bang on about it for an hour, because we'll be here for, for even longer. But it is an awesome aircraft, I think. It is one of the most iconic passenger aircraft produced. Um, it started service, or it was introduced into service in 1972. It first flew in 1970, so it's been around for quite a number of years. And the production finished... Uh, in 1984 and there was actually only a very small amount built Um, there was only 250 aircraft produced um, of the TriStar sadly to say the passenger um, uh, years of the TriStar have nearly all but finished now Um, but I am proud to say and it's unfortunate it will be stopping in 2014 but I am proud to say that the RAF are still using the TriStar they've got 9 In service, um, and it's a mixture of um, Pan Am, X Pan Am, and XBA aircraft. Yes, and they are the 500 variant, the L ten eleven 500 variant, which is a slightly shorter version of the Tristar. But uh, they are, like I said, they're still using them at the moment.
1: And is that 2014 that they're all? Their RAFs are all coming out of uh, yep. service? Yeah, they're
0: retiring. They should be retiring the TriStar in uh, in 2014. I don't know what particular month it'll be, but uh, sadly, yep, it'll be retiring. I think there's still uh, a passenger variant being used in Las Vegas by the Las Vegas Sands Corporation. Yes. They're using a 500 series. Um, if you Google that, it's, it's a quite a stunning aircraft. It's got a blue and, uh, and a shiny... Um, aluminium sort of paint put uh, paint job so it, it looks quite stunning um, but yeah that's uh, that is my top number one aircraft i i flew on that a number of years ago with british caledonian um that was on uh, an original 100 series yes. um, TriStar, the original the long very long stretch and uh, with a sort of 3 4 and 3 configuration inside and as a child flying on that all those years ago i just remember how enormous that aircraft was inside it was like being in a like being in a house inside and um, it was so big you know with the um, the headspace and and the original ones if you remember as well the tristar's always had those the lifts in the center if you remember the center of the yes yep, yeah. had the little uh, the lift the little double lifts you used to be able to go down into a lower galley Yes. Um. And the this flight attendants used to be able to go down and obviously heat meals and and you know the, to bring the meals up from there to the the uh, passengers on board. Yes. Uh, now I've
1: actually got that uh, photo up on the airliner's net um, here. I think this is probably the aircraft that you. Is talking that the about? Las
0: Vegas Sands one? Uh, is, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it.
1: Um, uh, white on top, and then halfway down, it's got quite a few different sort of stripes. Blue, uh, yeah, blue But, but that's there.
0: that's the 500 series I use, which, like I said, is a slightly shortened version of the TriStar. Yes. Um, but I just think I just think when you compare the TriStar to the DC-10, the TriStar just looks more finished with the, especially with the rear, you know, the actual engine. Yes, uh, we talked
1: about that quite a lot, haven't we? And uh, how uh, tidy that looks, uh, tucked on top of the uh, fuselage. It doesn't look out of place. Whereas uh, you'll agree with me on this, um, Carlos, the uh, DC-10 has just gone straight through the uh, tail, and it's just a mishmash, and I just think yes, it's, it's just,
0: just an untidy looking. Aircraft, it is, uh, although although the the DC-10 was um, was a more popular aircraft. you know the whole grand scheme of things was a lot more popular yes yeah
1: now this actual aircraft uh, if I'm right in saying I I think there's footage of this on YouTube actually landing at Stansted Airport so I will look into that or um, have a look at that but hopefully uh, I have well I have seen the uh, TriStar flying this year at uh, Riyadh um, Fairford Airshow, I've done a fly pass with some Typhoons, I think, Was Typhoons or one aircraft, that, uh, and also uh, saw it on the Queen's flight uh, over Southwold, so Carlos, I'm hoping to uh, take you on the Queen's flight in 2014, so we do get a last glimpse of it actually doing a fly pass in the Queen's flight um, with some other aircraft, so if we can get quite a few shots at that, and we'll try and get them up on our uh, Facebook page.
0: So those last aircraft, the last Tri-Stars then, which are used by the RAF, are actually um, being used by 216 Squadron. They're based at Bryce Norton in the UK. And uh, according to the 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 site here, they are sort of due to be replaced in time in 2014. Um, Again, with the 330, the uh, 330 um, Airbus. So a, a, a shame, really. Um but then you know it, it's it 's served its purpose it 's been an awesome aircraft i 'm sure for all the airlines and also um hopefully captain jeff if you 're listening um from the airline pilot guy podcast uh jeff was actually uh he actually used to fly on on one of those as well, yes with the airline that he flies for yes um yeah. so yes.
1: I've uh, been on it a, a few times uh, uh, where it was uh, Caledonian Airways. Um, That's it, British Caledonian. Um, just had Caledonian on the top of the fuselage, British Airways. Um, I've actually flown to um, Egypt uh, when I was uh, little on the Tristar, and that was uh, fabulous. So I love the aircraft.
0: But it had yeah. quite uh, just the last bit before we uh, before we get next to the military news. Last bit of news on that aircraft and the Tristar. So between 1968 and 1984. Lockheed manufactured a total of 250 of the TriStars, and the aircraft sales were hampered by two years uh, of delays due to development and financial problems at Rolls Royce, the sole manufacturer of the TriStars engines. And after production ended, Lockheed withdrew from com- the commercial aircraft business due to below target sales. Wow. So, yeah, that's a bit of news for you there on that. So, we're going to leave that then. That's my top 10. Passenger aircraft for me, and obviously, like we said, Simon is going to bring you his uh, his top ten military aircraft list in the next episode.
1: Yes, uh, definitely. And also,
0: uh, what about um, if we have done it
1: on another episode? Uh, all the airlines that we've actually flown on, you've yeah. flown on, and I've of flown course. on. <laughs> yeah, <So, laughs> we we'll we'll do uh, that one. Yeah, should we uh, make a list of that, and we we'll do, uh, yeah. include them in one of
0: our new podcasts or next ones? Yeah. So uh, we're gonna leave this part of the show now and uh, in a moment we're going to move on to some military aviation then, after this. Right, so with some military aviation news in, we're going to hand you over to Simon. Okay then, so with the time coming up to an hour, this must be our longest podcast ever. Wow. Right, so Simon, I'm going to hand you over then, just to hear some military news then. Okay, thanks a lot.
1: Um, I'm going to talk sonic booms. Um, What I've brought talking about that, is last week, uh, Carlos, I was uh, taking uh, my daughters to school and uh, I heard a sonic boom. Now, one or two people approached me and said, is it a firework? I said no, because it was a double boom. So... um, no, I think it may be something to do with uh, possibly a new aircraft that's being uh, tested, um, which obviously they do uh, a lot of American aircraft are tested over the North Sea, um, secret aircraft, um, and uh, up in sort of Scotland area. So that sonic boom was a boom-boom, um, which I heard, and a lot of people come up to me and said, oh, uh, what aircraft was that? And obviously I don't know, but um, there is a new sonic aircraft in the uh, pipeline, which is called the SR-72, which is a replacement for and a successor for the uh, Blackbird Blackbird SR-71A, which is a fabulous aircraft, and uh, I've seen flying uh, many years ago at the uh, Mildenhall Airfate, and of course when I lived at my mum and dad's, uh, one did actually come over the top of our house with its engines completely off, because he was very low, and uh, heading out over the North Sea. So this uh, new aircraft... um, it's been uh, built by uh, Lockheed Martin Corporation, um, and uh, obviously uh, it's a twin-engine, uh, two-seat supersonic uh, uh, aircraft, which was uh, it's going to be uh, in service, and there's uh, a speed of around three thousand five hundred miles per hour. So that is uh, quite a lot, and that's accelerating to max six. Max six, and so that is. <laughs>
0: Why can't they put some seats on <laughs> that?
1: That'd be uh good and it's uh obviously gonna be a hypersonic uh is the new stealth uh according
0: uh, to the uh Reuters uh news agency. Um so uh Does that look fairly it looks fairly similar to the to the seventy one? Um just let's, more let's just have a look. Yeah that's sort of more st- Streamlined. It, it does,
1: yes. Yeah. It, it does uh, look more streamlined uh, for the pictures. I haven't actually um, got any information as if there is any flying, or, or they aren't going to release uh, any uh, time that they um, actually got to be uh, flying. Um, but it does say here 2030, but haven't said that. It could be as tw- early as 2018. But even with those dates, what do you think? I think they may even be flying uh, now because oh, it's probably flying now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. a lot. A lot of the uh, air, secret aircraft, uh, they say, oh, we've got to make its first flight, but uh, they could have been flying for many years um, already. So uh, that is one uh, thing. Perhaps
0: they might be. They might be um, waiting to bring it out at Farnborough next year.
1: Yes, uh, you never know. Uh, you never know. That would be nice. Yeah, that would um, be very uh, good. There is another aircraft uh, which is the uh, called the X Forty Seven B. Now that is. Um, a drone aircraft, which uh, the uh, testing, uh, testing on uh, flight, uh, fl- its flights from uh, aircraft carriers. Um, the, this is the US uh, we're talking about here, and um, it, it's the USS uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Um, it was tested on the 10th of November. So, uh, the, looking at these pictures, so it yeah, looks quite an awesome uh, aircraft. Um, do you looks, think it looks like the B two bomber? It does a smaller yeah. version of that. Um, and this was probably uh, one of its sort of brothers or sisters, but um, looking at these, what do you make of these unmanned aircraft? Do you think uh, they're going to be a thing of the uh, future?
0: I, I think unmanned <laughs> aircraft, I think it's, gonna, it's, it's inevitable, it's going to be the, the future, isn't it, of, um, of aviation, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's proved itself, um, obviously, on the, um, on, the, on the sort of battlefield as such, yeah. And uh, I think it's—I I don't think it's going to come. It's, it's not going to creep into um, to sort of commercial passenger aviation. I don't think for a while yet. Yes. Um, I think a few people would have issues of getting on board a triple seven. Oh, pilotless triple seven. And um, <laughs> but no, I think you know that there's there's talk of unmanned um, freight uh, aircraft and and that, but it. Uh, don't forget as well for those of you listening there's also an awesome podcast you you, you can listen to uh it's the uav digest um which is a, a spin-off from the airplane geeks podcast um and that's brought to you uh from uh, max flight and also david vanderhoff as well they they bring you that uh, that podcast that's a uav digest look for that one on itunes so, getting back then, Simon. Yes, uh,
1: and uh, on to another subject, uh, one of my favourite uh, aircraft, obviously, uh, and f- uh, aircraft team is the uh, Red Arrows, and uh, they are still on tour uh, in, uh, in the, the Middle East. And also, um, of, uh, another I- bit of interesting uh, news is the uh, Breitling uh, Wingwalkers. They have uh, got two of their aircraft, which have uh, been shipped out um, on crates, um, which is sort of like. Um, what they have on their lorries, uh, put, uh, take the wings off and uh, just slide them into there and then uh, put on shipping containers and sent by sea. Um, so they've uh, gone out um, to the, the Middle East and they'll be uh, displaying at the uh, Abu Dhabi uh, Air display, which uh, looks uh, quite good.
0: At so, least uh, it'll be warmer for the wing walkers. Yes,
1: it will, uh, compared to the uh, last sort of uh, FU, UK, yeah. FU uh, UK displays. Um, they must... Uh, Lower, but I would imagine they're still in their flying suits quite drafty up there on top of the wing uh, uh, when they're on the Boeing Stearman so yeah but um, nice experience because um, recently you know, in the last year or so they've only just come back from uh, sort of Australia and uh, had a big tour out there so that was uh, quite in- interesting and um, I know one of the guys, uh, Martin Carrington uh, actually on the uh, Brighton Wind Waters who I met at um, uh, Seething Airfield Uh, a few years ago when they were the Utterly Bustleys and uh, he actually uh, gave me um, a little model because he'd run out of batteries uh, for his GPS to get him home to Runcorm. Um, So I gave him a big box of batteries, Duracell batteries, and he was over the moon with those to get him home and the weather was turning quite sort of bad and and that helped him home immensely. So yeah, (coughs) excuse me, excuse me. Another um, bit of information about the Vulcan this time. The Vulcan, uh, the funding for this aircraft, it looks as though it's got to be flying until 2015, um, which is uh, for the next two airshow seasons, which should be good. Um, I love that aircraft, uh, watching that, do you, at the airspace? Uh, oh, yes,
0: I've, I've seen that flying, X-Ray Hotel 558, yep. yes. seen that at, uh, at Farnborough uh, last year, awesome. awesome. Yes.
1: yes, it is a great aircraft. I've seen it uh, in a f- one or two formations, uh, Once with the Red Arrows and uh, one or two other aircraft. But yeah, uh looking at their funding, uh, they've gone smashed through the barrier for the uh Operation 2015 uh, pledge which is good. They've got 414,820 as of today. So that is uh, quite um good and also uh for the 2013 season they've got 416,472 pounds. So that is good news. That this aircraft is not government funded and is only done yeah, by yeah. um Obviously, uh, people who uh, like the aircraft and donate and uh, and friends. So there's uh, no government money whatsoever. It's, it's not
0: just, owned by the RAF either, No, really. it's not. No. It
1: used to be... A um, uh,
0: people's it, aircraft. I it is, it, yes,
1: yes, yes. And uh, also another bit of information on this. The uh, aircraft that done the Falklands bombing run, that is based at RAF Waddington, um, which you can see if you drive past there, and it's right to the sort of... Uh, um, side of the uh, fence as you go past just before the uh, crossing gates for the uh, aircraft and that brings me on to my next thing which is the first uh, British rivet joint aircraft. Now this aircraft, um, you'll most probably be able to help me on this Carlos, uh, this is the old, um, uh, that's,
0: that's the old old sort of X. Ex- uh, 707 converted KC-135. Yes, yeah.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Now this uh, aircraft is this week has only just come into RAF service. Although they've been training with, uh, um, have been training with the US Air Force, obviously based at Mildenhall and um, Lakenheath. So this aircraft is um, at the right airbase because obviously we've got the uh, Sentinel and um, we've got uh, the AWACS. Uh, E three uh, century. So and also uh, this aircraft, I think, is uh, mainly coming into service, and they've brought this in to the replacement for the Nimrod, which has uh, uh, just come out of service in the last sort of uh, year or so. So um, they've got three of these aircraft, and um, yeah, that's,
0: that, that just I was just looking at the uh, the, the engines that are on it because if you if you remember the old seven oh seven. As having sort of the old original Pratt and Whitney engines on all those years ago, the uh, the the Boeing RC-135 the Rivet is powered by CFM International CM yeah CFM 56s. Um, obviously, slightly fatter than the original air the um, engines that used to power that uh, aircraft.
1: Yes. Now um, it does. If you were, when you uh, see the aircraft, you will uh, see a was probably when if you go to the RF Waddington show and the react if that'll be there which I'm sure it will it may even be in um, <coughs> a nice aircraft to see in perhaps the Queen's flight because obviously we have the uh, AWACS and uh, a lot of other military aircraft so hoping that this could be uh, joining the Queen's flight um, birthday celebrations uh, next uh, June so if it is um, one thing that is uh, recognizable and makes it different and stands out it's got like a what would you say that is a funny nose? That looks I'd like say that's
0: like a, um, a, a pointed clown's nose, yes. but, but in black, not
1: red. Yes, yeah. and obviously the fuselage down the side it looks fairly square, but that's where um, I think there's some radar equipment uh, in there, and I would imagine on that nose, um, extra extended nose, <coughs> there will be some uh, radar equipment in
0: there as well. Yeah, the crew on board that aircraft has, they have actually got 27 crew on that aircraft. <laughs> Three pilots, two navigators, and 22 rear crew members.
1: Yes. So uh, this uh, will help, um, because obviously the Nimrod, uh, which is a former Comet aircraft, uh, was old, and uh, they've all been scrapped now, and and a lot of them have gone to uh, museums, and there is one at Norwich Airport, um, which flew into there a little while back. But um, this aircraft, I think, is mainly to sort of uh, take over where the Nimrod left off, and it's a more up-to-date version for them to use and uh, obviously uh, they will have three of these as I said uh, in uh, service uh, soon so uh, yeah look. that's quite a nice uh, aircraft uh, to look at and uh, it's in the uh, RAF uh, colors with obviously uh, which is the white um, on the top of the aircraft and then the uh, rest of the uh, grey with the uh, registration numbers on the uh, rear of the aircraft with the RAF logo
0: yeah, so look out for pictures of that one on the internet, and that's the uh, RC one three five rivet. Yes, and that's uh, classed as a strato lifter. Yes, one.
1: yep, that is. Yeah, I think that's just about it for me today, For today.
0: No, is that all you've got? Is all the news you've got for this uh, week? Yes, I think. No, no like, red arrow news this week. Uh, well, no, uh, no. red
1: arrows—they're um, still in the uh, Middle East, uh, enjoying the uh, fine, enjoying sunny, the sun. warm that's it. weather. Um, compared to our cold weather and uh, i hope they're uh, they're enjoying themselves out there i'm sure they all are and uh, obviously all the uh, ground crew as well and uh, looking after the aircraft and having a time uh, promoting the uh, (coughs) RAF
0: so yeah excellent right so we'd like to thank you all for listening to uh, two episode three of plane talking uk (coughs) Um, like I said, me and Simon would like to thank all of you for downloading the uh, the episodes and that and uh, listening to us. Don't forget, we're on iTunes to download. You can download us via iTunes. And oh, don't forget as well to to give us uh, some feedback on iTunes. Uh, hopefully good feedback. And also you can email us at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Com That's plain spelled plane spelled P L A N E, so that's plane talking UK at hotmail.com. It, yes.
1: and like us on Facebook as well. Yeah, uh, uh, we have a few photos uh, which uh, we've uh, put up there, and we've got to be uh, adding f- future photos uh, yeah, to that site, uh, so uh, it's well worth a look. Um, obviously, their aircraft. Uh, today we've talked about one or two of those aircraft uh, that are on there, like the BAC One Eleven. Yes, so, yes.
0: Um, and the TriStar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, sorry, and, there, and the, the TriStar, there, yeah. the old uh, favourite. Yes, yeah, so.
0: so that you just uh, search us on uh, on Facebook. Just type in Plane Talking UK. You'll find us on there. And uh, like I said, don't forget we are on iTunes. Look at us on there. Download us on there. Give us some feedback. Email us uh, your feedback as well if you like. Or put some comments on Facebook. Any questions or any stuff like that you want to ask me and Simon? Just uh, just drop us a line.
1: Yes, yeah. And one other thing before I go, I did. Uh, there was one other thing. Uh, the Thunderbirds, uh, which is American display team, along with the Blue Angels, they are now back in um, sort of training for the new twenty fourteen display that's season. News, that's good news. It is. Uh, I have seen them at Riyadh uh, a few times, and uh, hopefully. Uh, Look forward to seeing them again in the uh, not too distant future. But that's it from me.
0: Okay, so that's all we've got time for on the show this week. It's been a bit longer this week, an hour and uh, nearly an hour and sixteen minutes long. So that's, yes. that's a good, good long, lengthy show. Like I said, anything, comments and stuff, please do drop us a line. And don't forget, in uh, in episode four, uh, we're going to come back with you with some more news, as always. And Simon will uh, give us his top ten. Military aircraft.
1: Yes, um, I'm looking forward to that. And also uh, we'll perhaps uh, tie in uh, with that the uh, airline, uh, the airlines that we've actually flown on. Yeah, that'll be, be another
0: one for, for another podcast. Yes, we yeah, have... hundreds of these. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, well, as we said, uh, we hope you enjoyed our first podcast and our second. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy our third just as much. But like yeah, you said, definitely. any information you require, just email us. Or um, give us send us a message on Facebook or whatever you know, and we'll try and answer it for you. And uh, if we do make mistakes, uh, which I'm sure we will which do, we probably will do. Um, with uh, you can correct us uh, yeah. by anything yeah. information that we do give out. So,
0: and just before we go, a big uh, big hello and thanks again to obviously Max Flight and everyone at the uh, Airplane Geeks podcast. You can get them on iTunes as well, and also to. Uh, Captain Jeff of the Airline Pilot Guide podcast, big hello to him, and obviously as well a big hello to all our friends over here in the UK at Extended Podcast. You can find all of those on iTunes. The Extended, that's uh, no leading E on that uh, Extended Podcast for some great aviation UK news as well from those guys. So from me, Carl Stebbings and Simon Walton, we're going to say goodbye. Goodbye, and thanks for listening. Goodbye, bye.